So we're on our like fifth, I think we're on drink number five now. Drink number five, Co- yeah. cocktail number five. <laughs> number five. And, oh, it's uh, been a hot afternoon. Yeah, and these cocktails have gone down way too easily. Yeah, and we've we've just finished uh, very thoroughly researching cocktails for this uh, this double episode. How are you doing, Mickel? Yeah, I'm I'm doing very good. Nice and uh, nice and chill. You got that buzz going on. And ready to uh, record another good drop. Me too. So, I'm Stuart. And I'm Michael. And on today's good drop, we're going to talk to you about cocktails. Cheers. Cheers. about cocktails there's plenty of history uh, lots and lots of tidbits and funny stories for each particular cocktail yes indeed and uh, this is part one of what will be a two-parter because there is just so much to cover so much it's amazing we well i mean that was the intention all along we knew it was yeah. going to be a big episode yeah and we, we just couldn't work out a way to break it up so that it made two perfectly split individual episodes. We we just couldn't break the content up in Easily. that way. We we yeah. tried. It it just wasn't yeah. gonna it wasn't gonna work as well as throwing a huge amount and breaking it up hmm. in, in the middle. So what what we'll probably do is we'll split the first half into history and uh and a bit the big combined not combined uh, compiled list of the official bartender cocktails, and then we in the second episode we'll go more into the individual cocktails themselves and where they came where they came from. Yes, indeed. So uh, let's let's start with uh, defining cocktails. Cause, what, uh, what is a cocktail, Mikkel? Yeah, well the uh, the term is uh, used generically to refer to any mixed alcoholic drink. Now, uh, when a mixed drink contains, because there are specific sort of subdivisions of it, so mm. when a mixed drink contains only a distilled spirit and a mixer, it's often referred to as a highball, and uh, many of the official cocktails of the International Bartender Associ- uh, International Bartenders Association are highballs. Because mm. they're served in the hi- in highball glasses. That they're served in highball glasses is where the name comes from. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when um, when a cocktail contains a distilled spirit and a liqueur, it's called a duo. And if a duo has a mixer added, then it's a trio. Simple. Yeah, simple. Now, um, since I've mentioned the International Bartenders Association official cocktails, there is a list. A big list. Before um, we get to that, though, uh, we need to figure out where the name came from. The name cocktails, yes. The name cocktails, because there's, there's a few different theories. Uh, one of them was, uh, it had to do with horses, where they used to dock the tails off a horse and then uh, it w- the horses would be called cocktailed horses. And actually, the, uh, the first recorded use of cocktail not referring to a horse was uh, found in the Morning Post and Gazette here in London in uh, 1798. And uh, the Oxford Dictionary has uh, cited the first recorded use of cocktail as a beverage 
in uh, the farmer's cabinet in 1803 where they refer to someone drinking a glass of cocktail. Now, there's still no information on where the word came from. Mm. But well, another theory is the, uh, the word might stem from the, from the English cocktail, which in the middle 1800s referred to a, wo- a woman of easy virtue who was desirable but impure. And then they applied it to the newly acquired American habit of bastardizing good British gin with foreign matter, including ice. Well, that does make good sense. Ice of all things. <laughs> ice. Yes. How how dare they ruin it with ice? Right. Yeah. It makes some sense, though. I think that that makes more sense than the horse origin. Because mm. you know people are more are fond of using. Uh, negative slang for women in new and exciting ways. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, they are. Mm. All right. So, shall uh, shall we talk about the International Bartenders Association official cocktails for use in the annual World Cocktail Competition of Bartending? That's a mouthful. It certainly <laughs> is. There, let's start there. Yes, all right. So, uh, the cocktails are divided into three categories – Unforgettables, contemporary classics, and new era drinks. Now, the Unforgettables category contains the Brandy Alexander, Americano, Angel Face, Aviation, the Bacardi Cocktail, Between the Sheets, Casino, Clover Club, the Daiquiri, which is primarily the same as a Bacardi Cocktail, but contains any kind of rum other than the Bacardi Superior, which is set as the standard for a Bacardi cocktail. Hmm. And uh, then there's the Derby, the Dry Martini, the Gin Fizz, the John Collins, the Manhattan, Mary Pickford, the Monkey... Monkey Gland? Okay. Um, Negroni. (laughs) What? (laughs) Uh, Unless I've written this down wrong, that's that's what it's called. And... uh, Yeah, monkey gland. Then there's the Negroni, uh, the Old Fashioned, the Paradiser, Planter's Punch, the Porto Flip, the Mary Pickford, oh no, sorry, I've said Mary Pickford, the Ramos Gin Fizz, which uh, varies from the standard fizz recipe of... uh, Gin, lemon juice, sugar, and carbonated water, in that it also includes lime juice, egg white, cream, and orange flower water. Orange flower water? Orange flower water, yeah. Hmm. And uh, so, so a gin fizz is that without the extra. You know, the, the gin fizz is just gin, lemon juice, sugar, and carbonated water. But Ramo's gin fizz has the extra stuff. And uh, I imagine tastes very different thanks to the orange flower water. Now, uh, the Rusty Nail is up next, and that's a simple duo cocktail consisting of uh, scotch and drambouille, and uh, that's one of my personal favorites. And uh, then there's the uh, Sazerac, the Screwdriver, the Sidecar, the Stinger, the Tuxedo, the Whiskey Sour, and the White Lady, which is also known as a Delilah or Chelsea Sidecar. And consists of gin, triple sec, and lemon juice. These are all really tasty. I really want to try some of them. Yeah. So uh, let's get into the contemporary classics now. 
which uh, contains the Berliner, the Black Russian, which is uh, the original drink from which the White Russian came. And um, well, while the White Russian is not an official IBA cocktail, interesting. It um, the the difference is that a White Russian contains cream as well as the vodka and coffee liqueur of the traditional Black Russian. Hmm. And uh, then we've got the Bloody Mary, the Caipirinha, which is uh, Brazil's national cocktail and is made with cachaça, sugar, and lime. And uh, sounds pretty good. Yeah. We might have to do an episode on that one. We we just might. Because yeah, c- uh, c- cachaça sounds interesting. Hmm. I believe it is actually the national uh, drink of Brazil. Like, cachaça is the national drink, and that's the national cocktail. How curious. Yeah. And uh, so we've got the champagne cocktail, uh, the Cosmopolitan, the Cuba Libre, the French 75, which is also known as the 75 cocktail, and consists of gin, champagne, lemon juice, and sugar. Then there's uh, the French Connection, the, uh, the Godfather and the Godmother, with uh, the latter containing vodka and amaretto instead of the scotch and amaretto that's in The Godfather. Uh, then you've got uh, The Golden Dream, The Grasshopper, The Harvey Wallbanger, The Hemingway Special, uh, which is... Uh, that, that's my favourite of all of the ones you've listed so far, the Hemingway special. Yeah. Because of the history behind it. It's, it's, it's fantastic because, I mean, Ernest Hemingway mm. is, is who it's named for and it's considered an all-day cocktail, one that's suitable for drinking any time, day or night. And uh, it's made from rum, grapefruit juice, maraschino liqueur, and lime juice. Mm. And uh, Drunk all day just as Ernest Hemingway would like it. Yeah, exactly, just, just <laughs> as he would like it. And... Uh, Drink then, like the drink like the author, indeed. And uh, we've got the horse's neck, which uh, actually began in the eighteen nineties as a non-alcoholic mixture of ginger ale, ice, and lemon peel. But uh, by the nineteen tens, brandy or bourbon was being added to make what they called a stiff horse's neck, or horse's neck with a kick. <laughs> and uh, of course, the the cocktail is now made with brandy as standard. Not uh, not in the non-alcoholic way at all. But I guess you could make the standard without the brandy. The Make it the original way if you were trying to do something for kids, I suppose. And, uh, and the list goes on. And the list goes on. Yes, we have uh, an Irish coffee, which uh, consists of hot coffee, Irish whiskey, and sugar topped with thick cream. Now, uh, this drink has a nice little bit of uh, history to it, so well. I'll throw that in briefly, because um, it originated uh, in the 1940s when a head chef in an Irish establishment added whiskey to the coffee of some American travellers. And uh, when they asked if they were being served Brazilian coffee, the chef told them, no, it's Irish coffee. <laughs> and that's where the drink got its name. It's <laughs> how they drink coffee in Ireland, right? Oh, yeah. And... Uh, Next up is the Kerr cocktail, which is uh, popular in France and made from creme de cassis and uh, white wine and uh, usually served as an aperitif hmm. before a meal or snack. And then we've got the Long Island iced tea, which has a really simple story. A guy in Long Island came up with it. 
How boring. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, Mai Tais, margaritas, uh, the mimosa, the mint julep, which yeah. hugely popular in the South in America. Uh, the, we're the talking the Deep South, not South America, but the Kentucky. Deep South of North America. Yeah, Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky Derby. Louisiana, mm. all of those. It was a gentleman's drink. Was. Was a gentleman's drink, yes, because yeah, back, back when it was entirely acceptable for a gentleman to use the term boa, boa, I say boa. Yeah. And, yeah, it was, was a it few was, years ago. It was a racist time, but, mm. but they drank a lot of mint and juleps. And uh, then uh, we've got the mojito, the Moscow mule, which we will mention later again, uh, the pina colada, which is said to have been created in Puerto Rico in the 1950s. Hmm. And, uh, is made... and if, you, if you like those, you have to like getting caught in the rain too. Oh, yes, indeed. It's like you're contractually obligated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then if, if you've got white rum, coconut milk, and pineapple juice... You have you, a pina colada. You, you make a pina colada and you do get caught in the rain. Hmm. And uh, for those who are wondering, the name pina colada literally translates as strained pineapple. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, strained pineapple. That's, that's it. That's what the drink is actually called. It's called strained pineapple. That's so boring. Like, give me the interesting names, guys. No, but it sounds interesting to an English speaker, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Uh, and Fine. Uh, you win this round. So uh, up next, we've got the rose cocktail, which is uh, made from vermouth kirsch, which is a cherry brandy, and uh, strawberry syrup garnished with a maraschino cherry, mm. which um, sounds very strawberry-flavored. Mm. Very strawberry and cherry. I imagine it's quite sweet. And uh, to tie it all up, we've got uh, the Sea Breeze, uh, Sex on the Beach, uh, which we mentioned in our Schnapps episode, actually. Did we? Sex on the Beach, yes, because it contains peach schnapps. Of course. And uh, the Singapore Sling which uh, is actually said to have evolved from the gin sling, uh, a drink that uh, originated in the late 1700s and most closely resembles the current-day John Collins cocktail. Hmm. Now, uh, the Singapore sling is thought to have first been made in a Singapore bar by bartender Niam Tong Boon around 1915 and uh, consists of gin, cherry liqueur, contro, Benedictine, grenadine, pineapple juice, lime juice, and Angostura bitters. Yeah, there's 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 a lot to it. That's it. That's 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 the drink. (laughs) Yep. And uh, the the John Collins, however, the the drink that evolved from the drink it's based on, supposedly, is a far far simpler drink, which is just made of gin, lemon juice, sugar syrup, and carbonated water. I'm going to order a Singapore sling instead of a Long Island iced tea. Next time I go drinking and want to get drunk. Mm, it, it does sound like it would do the job. <laughs> and uh, I imagine you, you've heard of the Tom Collins? Yeah, where you have to use Tom Collins dry gin yeah. to make the drink. And that's but the difference. Yeah. Yeah, if you use any other gin, it's a John Collins. If you use Tom Collins gin, well, Old Tom gin, sorry. Old if, Tom gin. If you use Old Tom gin, it's a Tom Collins. And uh, yeah, and finishing up our contemporary classics category. So, so if you use beef eater gin, is it a beef eater Collins? Beef Collins? Beef Collins. <laughs> or a sapphire gin, it's a sapphire Collins. Sapphire, I think it's still technically a John Collins. We could totally call it that. <laughs> if you used beef and sapphire gins, you could call it sapphire beef Collins. 
That's that's interesting. That's, that's an interesting sounding name. Yeah. And gin with uh, extra gin. Gin with gin. Take, that, it, on, take it on the gin. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, last up in this category is the Tequila Sunrise, which was originally created in the 1930s and is made from tequila, orange juice, and grenadine syrup. It's ooh, just bumping the mic there. It, yeah, it's probably one of the easiest ones to make on that list. Mm, well, uh, ingredients-wise, but to make it actually look right. That's the, yeah, yeah, there's the challenge. Because a tequila sunrise, after being poured into the uh, hurricane glass, should look like a sunrise. Should. If you've done it right. Mm. If you do it wrong, it's just one solid It's color. like a ready orange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, oh, uh, that reminds me. I saw this, there's this guy on YouTube called Tipsy Bartender. Um, he, he used to, he makes all these crazy drinks. And, um, the, one of the first ones I saw him make was a rainbow shots. So he, he mixes it up in the, in the glass or in the shaker and then he pours it out and, pours it out into the line of shot glasses and each different shot glass is a different colour. There's about eight or nine shot glasses and it starts with red at one end and then ends up with blue at the other end. Wow. It's a seriously impressive drink to watch. Yeah, that, poured. that sounds seriously, seriously impressive. Mm. And uh, speaking of impressive, we are coming to the end of this impressive list of official IBA cocktails. What? I thought this was never going to end. No, well, we're up to the the final category. But I've finished my drink. It's been taking this so long. Yeah. So well, <laughs> while while I'm talking through the final category of IBA official competition cocktails, I'll go can, pour us both another drink. Yeah, freshen that up. So um, the final <laughs> category is the new era drinks, and uh, it is by far the shortest category, but oh, it it contains some. Uh, Absolute favorite drinks, some some very popular drinks amongst the uh, the younger drinking crowd, and um, so it contains the B fifty two, which is a layered shooter composed of coffee liqueur, Irish cream, and uh, orange flavored liqueur, with the IBA actually specifying that in competition it must be made with Kahlua, Bailey's, and Grand Marnier. Now, then there's the Barracuda, the Bramble, the Dark and Stormy, which uh, we have had some of uh, earlier in our in our uh, session here. And um, the Dark and Stormy is a very, very simple cocktail, which is just dark rum and ginger beer. Uh, ideally served chilled over ice, and it's just really refreshing. Yes, we we have been uh, making it with a splash of lime juice, which is also really pleasant. And uh, up next after that, we've got the dry martini, uh, sorry, the dirty martini, the espresso martini, the French martini, the kamikaze, the lemon drop martini, the pisco sour, Russian spring punch, which uh, was created in London in the 1980s. And uh, is made from vodka, creme de cassis, sugar syrup, and lemon juice. A good 
good point of note is that the just because the drink has Russian or uh, Belgian or wherever in the title, does it, there's a good chance it wasn't created there. It's probably created in America or England by someone using uh, vodka if it's a Russian, a black Russian, for example. Yes, indeed. Yeah, generally the uh, the country of origin in the name of the drink refers to the country of origin of the primary alcohol used in the drink rather than where it actually came from. And uh, up next after that, we've got uh, the Spritz Veneziana, uh, Tommy's Margarita, which uh, was conceived in San Francisco in 1990 and is made from tequila, lime juice, and agave nectar, uh, unlike the original margarita, which is made with tequila, lime juice, and contro. And lastly... We have the Vampiro, the Vespa, and the Yellow Bird. And that's it. That is the complete list of competition-certified International Bartenders Association cocktails. If you can make those, any of those well, you will win awards. Well, you, you, you can, if you can make them perfectly. Remembering that uh, the International Bartenders Association, when they list the recipes... For those cocktails, they list them not using milliliters or fluid ounces, but centiliters. Hmm. That is how precise they expect you to be in the mixing of those drinks at competition level. That's very interesting because why not just use milliliters? Because their milliliters are more precise. Yeah, but for some reason they they don't. They, they want to sound extra fancy. Yeah, they they use centiliters. <laughs> no one else uses centiliters. No, no one else uses centiliters. <laughs> But, I mean, but, it's yeah. there in the scientific literature, centiliters. There's a spot for it. But I have never heard of anyone using it. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing if you have to be quick in competition, and I would expect you do, mm. I would expect it's about not just making the drink right, but making it fast. And if you're going to be doing that, milliliters would probably, you know, there'd be bartenders yelling, Bullshit, bullshit, all over the place, as you know they were called slightly off. Whereas in in centiliters, you've got a little bit of wiggle room, I guess, to be able to, you know, accept that there may be some spillover from the measure, or if they free pour, and if you're going to be competition level, you've got to figure they're free pouring, mm. and they're just free pouring really accurately. Oh, I bet they can. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll have to go to one. Yeah, okay. so we'll I mean, because un- unlike all these other drinks, where the drink itself is entered in competitions with cocktails, it's the bartender. Mm. The bartender goes in the competition. It's like with the uh, coffee competitions as well. They... Yeah, where baristas go in competitions yeah. to see who makes the best coffee. Exactly. They're all given exactly the same beans, exactly the same machine, and mm. you just see who does the best with it. Yeah, and who's got the best latte art? Yes, that. Well, that's an entirely different kettle of fish. Sure Latte is. Art. I suppose just like, um, just like with uh, flare tending, where it's not about the drinks so much as as the, as the performance, as the performance, and there are flare tending competitions. Mm. Not many people do it though. It seems to be a, a, a skill that's way too time consuming for a regular bar. Well, and I think as well that. Largely regular bars 
don't necessarily encourage it because every now and then a flare tender is going to drop a bottle. Yes. And that's more lost than I think most bars are willing to accept. Because as impressive as it is, and there are bars where it's all flare tending and people go there expecting to have to wait. Yeah. But the majority of bars... No one's going to wait. No, they're about speed of service. Yeah. And like, if you get a good bartender who occasionally flips a bottle behind his back over and goes, woo, where's my fucking drink? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. I laugh because it's true. Uh, so the other, uh, the other company I think is worth mentioning is Drinks International. Yes, indeed. Because they uh, they run the biggest survey of cocktails in the world, and uh, annually they survey the top one hundred bars, top fifty bars oh, top worldwide, 50 bars. and the top one hundred cocktails worldwide. Right, right, right. Yeah, they poll like a hundred and something bars all over the world uh, to get this list of a hundred cocktails, and believe it or not. The top 10 on the list are not... Some of them I expected, but some of them I thought would be too old-fashioned. Yeah. Yes, old-fashioned is, uh, is the right <laughs> word to be using. So um, let's, let's, let's list these off in, in reverse order, starting at number 10. We'll just do the top 10 here. All right. So coming in at number 10 is a Sazerac. It's a, apparently a drink that can take you through anything. It's made with cognac and or whiskey. The number nine is the Mojito. Number eight is the Moscow Mule, which you may remember Mikkel mentioning earlier. Seven is the Margarita. Six is the Dry Martini. Five, Whiskey Sour. Four, Manhattan. Three, Daiquiri. Not the uh, blender-abused ones you normally see. Uh, number two is the Negroni, and one coming in at number one is the Old Fashioned. The Old Fashioned. Old Fashioned. I totally didn't expect the Negroni and the Old Fashioned. Yeah, no, I, I didn't expect. I mean, I know people people like things to be Old Fashioned from time to time, but hmm. I didn't realize that the Old Fashioned was that popular. But yeah. you, you look at what it's made. It's a really simple drink. Hmm, and nice and sweet, too. Yeah. Made with uh, Angostura bitters, uh, rye or bourbon whiskey, and a sugar cube. And yeah. You, and, and garnished a, with an orange. Mm, and a, a few dashes of water. Mm. Just to mellow out the flavors, I imagine. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm i going to have to try one because I totally didn't expect that. I thought it would be like martini or mojito at the top. Yeah, something something like that. I mean, there's a lot of history to to the old fashioned. Though. I mean, it's it's old, mm. I and mean, it was developed during the 19th century, and apparently given its name in the 1880s. Wow. Yeah, and uh, turns out in uh, in 2015, the uh, American city of Louisville, Kentucky, named the old fashioned the official cocktail of the year. And uh, each year during the first two weeks of June, they celebrate the old fashioned fortnight. Which uh, yeah, encompasses bourbon events, cocktail specials, and uh, National Bourbon Day, which apparently always is celebrated on the 14th of June. Nice. Now, what, what I find interesting about that is that uh, if America has National Bourbon Day on the 14th of June and International Gin Day 
is on the second Saturday of June every year, mm. inevitably at some point... They're going to overlap. They're going to overlap, and you're going to have International Gin Day on National Bourbon Day. Right. But what can you make with a gin and bourbon? Yeah, I mean, there has to be a cocktail consisting of gin, bourbon, and something else. Let Surely. Me, let me get to the Googles. Surely it exists. Oh. Thank you, autocorrect. Is... Right, it is... It's called a suffering bastard. Right. <laughs> a suffering bastard. And is it as simple as just gin and bourbon? One ounce of bourbon, one ounce of gin. One ounce is equivalent to 30 mils. Uh, so, yeah, 30 mils or a shot of uh, bourbon, a shot of gin, a shot of lime juice, a dash of Angostura bitters, and about four shots of ginger ale. That actually does sound pretty decent. Yeah. I wouldn't mind the suffering bastard. <laughs> we don't have any whiskey or uh, gin. Or gin at, board, at the moment, no. But uh, let's let's keep that in mind for June. Mm. In fact, well, we, yeah, for, uh, for International Gin Day and for National Bourbon, well, American National Bourbon Day, yeah, we'll have to do a, a an episode on that or something. Yeah, we'll have to check our calendars and see when they fall on the same day. Yeah. So 2025 is uh, is when that's going to happen, it turns out. In wow. the year 2025, International Gin Day and National Bourbon Day will fall on the same day. Look out for it, guys, in exactly seven years and six months. <laughs> yeah, in... Then uh, undoubtedly, and like fourteen days. Yeah, the the universe as we know it will alter unendingly in unpredictable <laughs> ways. Dogs and cats getting along—it's going to be insanity because mm. Gin Day and Bourbon Day will be the same day. Oh no! It means you have to drink both at the same time. Make sure you get into those uh, cocktails. Whatever it was that I said, a uh, rusty bear or something. What did I say? The uh, bastard drink? Bast- suffering bastard. bastard. Suffering bastard. There we go, the suffering bastard. Yes, so... Um, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. This is all we've got time for for this half of the cocktails episode. Yeah, so uh, be sure to tune in next week when we do part two. And uh, as always, uh, subscribe on iTunes to uh, A Good Drop Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at A Good Drop Podcast. Uh, send us an email a good drop at gmail.com some podcast in that one yep and uh, you know tell your friends and as always cheers cheers <laughs>